Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Join us, dear listener, midway through a conversation about the word and meal supper. A word and meal I think about quite a lot, but I cannot find a consensus on what it means. Because to me, we didn't really use this word supper in my growing up. It was something from like Enid Blyton books or that kind of thing. But in my head, supper was always something you ate Something sort of in the evening, maybe in your pyjamas in the winter. It's quite rustic. It's a piece of crusty bread with a fish stew, like a mackerel hot pot or something. And I asked my girlfriend what she thought supper was. She's like, no, it's a cup of tea and a biscuit. And it blew my mind. And I can't really find anyone who's willing to agree or give me a complete definition. And I know I could look in the dictionary, but what's the point when you can talk to people? So I've asked Laura, she's given me a whole new meaning of the word supper. Laura thinks it's like a, an early tea. Yeah, I'm saying supper is not a word that came up in my childhood. Um, but yeah, I thought supper was like maybe like a an early dinner, maybe about four, five, maybe five o'clock, like a, you know. An early bird theatre special kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. But again, I'm with you, a bit smaller than a proper dinner. Yeah. But I, I go later, and I think, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I imagine supper is the kind of thing that they have in, like, a tavern in a fantasy novel or a fantasy TV show. Well, yeah. Also, because the word supper, like, I think it's posh. I think supper is quite, like, a, oh, we have supper. Like, it, maybe that's why I think it's early, because I've read it in books where they're doing it before the theatre or whatever. But... Like, the etymology of it's making me think that supper almost sounds like the most original... Like, it's almost like sucker, isn't it? Or, like, to sup, to eat, to... Like, it feels like it's almost the more original word for eating. Yeah, it's it's not onomatopoeic. It's, like, it's the most onomatopoeic sort of, like, meal. Yeah, because I suppose dinner comes from dining, to dine... Or dine is the French word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So maybe, like, if that... Yeah... Anyway, supper, what does it mean to you? Do you have supper? Is supper a word you use? Let us know. We're at Treasures Pod on all the socials. Um, tell us what supper means to you. Anyway, we're on our way to Woolerton Hall. We are, Woolerton Hall in Nottinghamshire. I bet Colin Holt knows what supper means. 
I might ask him. I might send him a text. Let's ask him next week in the interview. Yeah, so Colin Holt has sent us there. Colin Holt, uh, actor you may have seen in uh, Being Human. Ghosts. Afterlife. Other things. Uh, also creator of the Edinburgh Comedy Award nominee for Best Show 2022. Uh, and a man, the character. Also, just a nice little side note, I'm doing tour support for him. Um, but he sent us to Wollerton Hall, which is where near where he grew up. So we're heading off there now. We're just on the M23. Yeah. We've arrived. Will is angry because it's pay to park. He stomped off to pay for that. It's quite nice here. You sort of come in and you're just in the middle of a park straight away. Big children's park. Nice easy parking. No bays marked out so you don't even have to worry about whether they're in the lines or not. Oh my god, I can see deer! There's just a load of deer lying around on the grass over there with their full antlers out and everything. Wowzers trousers. Will's back. Hi everyone, I'm back. I've been and got the car parking. Uh, I'm also going to have a quick little check on how close two letters are on the um, keyboard. Because I've given them my wrong car registration number. Though I can't really imagine that they're going to give people tickets. You'd hope not. Look at those deer lying down over there. Fuck the car park. Oh Look at God, the deer. Yeah, that's amazing. Just a load of stags lying down. We'll put pictures on the Instagram, obviously. The monarchs of the glens. Is that what they? Is that why that was called Monarch of the Glen? The Monarch of the Glen, the Monarch of the Glen is a famous picture of a stag on like a mountain in Scotland, I think, on a glen. Ah. And the picture is called the Monarch of the Glen. That's one of the first TV shows I ever remember being really like rooting for two people to get together. You know, where you're like, come on, just do it. Lexi and Alex. Wasn't it Archie? Archie, but Lexi, I remember bloody Lexi. Of course, you bloody remember Lexi. I also remember the guy, the gamekeeper. Um, who, yeah, Gilly. Gilly, but he was he always wore like a kilt. It's the first time I've ever seen a person just wearing a kilt. Oh, look, there's the hall. Bloody hell, that just sneaks up on you. So we were just heading towards the deer, really, to have a look at the deer, and um, walking out the car park, and there's some big trees, and then we've come out from under the canopy of the trees, and there's just this incredible-looking hall up on a hill. Like, it's really different to anything I've ever seen before. That looks amazing. So the hall is a lovely sort of sandy colour, um, lots and lots of windows, but then, what's that, four or five storeys by the looks of it, and, and sort of little columns, but the top has got little domes over the turrets, so it almost gives it a vaguely Middle Eastern aesthetic to the top, but like a sort of Middle Eastern English grand country house. It's kind of interesting. A stately home with minarets. I can't believe how docile these deer are. We are really quite near the deer now. You kind of see how big the antlers are. They are beautiful though, aren't they? I also feel bad about moaning about paying for parking because I think we're just in here for free now. <laughs> like I think it's just, it's an enter, isn't it, kind of place. Oh what, you don't have to get tickets, you just pay to park? Well, I mean, certainly the deer park, we haven't paid to come in and also haven't like jumped any styles. So nothing can stop us just coming into this park, you know? Yeah, but they can stop us getting into the house. Yeah, but what I mean is if you lived locally or wanted to come for like a, a cup of tea and a walk on a lovely park, you can just for free. Yeah, that's quite common with parks. Yes, but parks aren't often attached to a stately home. No, but they often have some kind of building in them, like like Preston Park and stuff in Brighton, they've all got a stately home right by them. Do they? Yeah. Preston Park in Brighton does? Yeah. 
Well, that's absolutely fresh information for young William Doug. I'm going to get a little photo of these deer because it's blowing my mind. I bet if you live round here, uh, you come on like a school trip once a year minimum. <laughs> Beautiful though. Yeah, incredible view. So we're here towards like, the end of September. So it's still like, I've got my sunglasses on, I'm wearing a jumper but not a coat. It's a beautiful, fresh, early autumn day. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Okay, we've reached the top of the hill. We're both a little bit panty, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not like sexy knickers, just, woo, we might be unfit. I've never really been out of the idea that I might be a little bit unfit. <laughs> so we're right up close to the hall now. It just looks amazing. And there's a big staircase up to the, the front steps. There is, just to the right of that, I think that is a lift. So it is accessible if, um, if you don't do stairs. The view will absolutely massively, they can see quite far as you said, but when it all the, all the leaves go, it's going to be an incredible view out just across Nottinghamshire, which is nice if you like Nottinghamshire, and if you don't, well, tough. Right, in we go. Got these cool like lion head door knockers either side of the entrance, and there's lots of, um, so almost like portholes carved into the walls of the outside of it with different statues of people in them. Uh, what does that say? Ar is that Aristotle? Oh yeah, Plato and Aristotle. Oh, that actually says Aristoteles. Uh, those ones don't have name. That looks like Queen Victoria at the top though. Yeah. Uh, maybe a Caesar or an Alexander. Just some great bloody guys really. Just, lo just a load of great people. Yeah. So you walk in and there's a sort of vestibule type room which has got a skeleton of, well I mean what is that a skeleton of? A hippopotamus skeleton. Okay. Purchased by the museum in 1882. Oh, and on the other side, what's that like a zebra or something? A domestic horse skeleton. Yeah, okay. So you come through and then you're in an amazing hall. So really high ceiling uh, and quite bright. The walls are painted white and it's not one of those rooms where the walls are too cluttered with stuff. To your right, you've got sort of like a rude screen type thing, but kind of out of stone. And it's got two enormous African elephant tusks um, in the corner of each one. And then these arched doorways there's a really uh, interesting clock that's just got one hand and I was told that when clocks first came around they had one hand because no one needed to be that precise yeah. and the minute hand only got really involved um, when like trains you needed to know minute by minute so I wonder if that's actually quite an older style clock and just the one hand or if it's just missing a hand probably an older style clock I would think because they just put the hand back on I reckon yeah, you'd just get out of the hand, wouldn't you? Yeah. Ooh, what we're looking at here. So in the middle, um, so there's a, a sort of plinth about changes at Woolerton Hall. This is Sir Francis Willoughby. He was mm. the builder. The builder. That is Holly's great, 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 great grandfather. He looks a bit like Holly Willoughby. 
Yeah, you could believe that. The build, yeah. So the Woolerton Hall was commissioned by Sir Francis Willoughby in 1580. Ah, that's decent age then. So what, like 440 years? That's pretty old. Yeah. Uh, da, da, da. It was con- construction was overseen. Architect was Robert Smithson. It was completed in 1588. That's quite quick, really, actually. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Eight years. When you think, like, was it St. Paul's Cathedral looked like to like 150 years something mad and they've still not finished a Sagrada Familia no uh, Sir Francis owned several coal pits which helped fund the building alright okay and Woolerton Hall was the Willoughby's family home for 340 years quite a while then so worth it and then the um, the Willoughby family their they're like uh, symbol is an owl wearing a crown they've got a photo of and apparently there are a few of them around the hall. So we'll keep our eyes dotted out for those, Laura. <laughs> okay, we're going to go through the left-hand door now. There's a little rope on the staircase. You can't go upstairs. So we were told by the people in charge that normally the entire mansion is open, but they've been refurbing for a while. So it should be opening in about a year or so. Yeah, so we're turning left now into a room that ha- it is much like the Booth Museum. It is um, a reasonably sized room and it's got all the bird boxes with birds displayed in their natural habitat and then the walls above there's like wildebeest head, African hunting dog. So I'm guessing the Willoughby's were big game collector, hunter type. Though I do think most people at that time would have been big. Oh yeah, if you've got a mansion like this it's not because you've got morals. Um, So what have we got? A chiff chaff? We've got Jack Snipe. Oh, a Jack Snipe's quite cute. Well, look at this Jack Snipe. I will look at the Jack Snipe. Hey, look at a little Jack Snipe. It's uh, got a very long bill, like a needle. Jack Snipe sounds like a, a character in, like, Peaky Blinders or something. Oh, you don't want to piss off Jack Snipe. Look at this one, the European Nightjar. Beautifully oh. camouflaged. Nightjar's got, like, a real sullen beak. Yeah, it's sullen. It's not very sticky-outy. It's just a bit like, oh, go on, then I'll be a beak. What are we looking at around a here? tragopan. Yeah, so when you come in, it's lots of, like, sort of brown birds that you think, oh, I can imagine seeing that in a hedge. And then you turn around a corner, and suddenly it's all a little bit more tropical and um, ex- exotic to the British eye. Yeah, like, so you've got uh, a bush strike a satyr tragopan, a turquoise grass carapete, a mar- Carapete? Parakeet. <laughs> oh, I like the minivet. We've got yours there, the great bustard. <laughs> We've got a minivet here, and they've sort of put it with its wings out and its tail down. It's got bright orange tail and wings, and then almost like a like an inky blue head, and then bright orange eye again. Will, have you got a picture of the minivet? I have. Um... I, I always think of stuff like this. Look at that crocodile up there. Oh, yeah. Um, Agariel. So I always think of stuff like this, like very similar to or do about like fur. Like I would hate someone to start one of these collections today. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Same way that I don't think we should make fur clothes today. But the fact that someone did in the past sort of means I can go like, oh, I'm glad I can see this. Yeah. But like, I'm, I wish animals weren't dead, but of course... I wonder, like, I was just thinking then, I guess nowadays, though, we have documentaries, so we can happily see all this sort of stuff without needing to do this, but there was literally no way to do it back then. I wonder if one day they'll look back at, like, Attenborough documentaries and go, it's such a shame that they couldn't do this without flying there and being in the habitat. They didn't have this way of doing it, you know. Wow, look at this bird of paradise. 
There's like a bird of a greater bird of paradise here, and it's got like peachy, purpley, reddy plumes just flying off it like a big wig. Absolutely gorgeous. Will's driving me a bit crazy here by doing a figure of eight around this museum instead of just carrying on down the pathway we were already on. So I'm going to explain why I did that. Firstly, I noticed the moose. So I thought I'd take two steps toward the moose. Then my eye was grabbed by what I think is an emu or a cassowary, but we'll see him soon. But then I just saw the golden eagle and the massive cormorant. I was like, well, I've got to have a look at those guys. So Will's explanation there of why we've gone off wasn't so much an explanation as just, yeah, Will can't focus. Yep. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go back on the path we were on. Come on, Will, we'll see all those things on the way back. What we got here? Back to brown birds, really. Some birds of prey in this box. Eagles and the such. Ooh, a snowy owl. A toucan. So I found out why they've got birds in here. So obviously the Willoughbys, the family that had this place, they published a book called Willoughby's Ornithology, which is like bird watching, in 1676. So these birds... I think the family were very into bird watching. It's not just like a it's quite nice then that they've taken the family's interests and not just gone, what can we do with this room? Taxidermy. It's relevant to the hall. That's quite nice. Look at that walrus. Finish a sentence. Yeah, there is a walrus up there. I don't think I've ever seen a stuffed walrus before. No, I also think I've seen a walrus in the real life and they don't look a lot like that. <laughs> no, that one has been stuffed to look kind of goofy. One of my favourite things is like, <laughs> do you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> like when they got people to do taxidermy lions, we've never seen a lion. Yeah. But also, I stumbled into like a Twitter rabbit hole the other day and it was like, not even badly taxidermy. It was like somebody had been to Africa and seen a lion and then tried to describe it to an artist and they're all just like men with big manes. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, there's a great crested grebe here and they've got it in the display, the diorama, with a mum and a dad and then five little chicks as well, which is very cute to look at but also very sad when you think how young those chicks died. Yeah, I think there was a bad winter. I'm choosing to believe it was natural. So we're back to the bit that distracted Will now. We've got a greater rear and a southern cassowary. So it was a cassowary, not an emu. Uh, Becca and I went to uh, tropical birdland near Leicester. And they had a cassowary. And those feet are insane. It's <laughs> like when you see one walking, you go, oh yeah, dinosaurs are birds. Like, yeah. We had that. We're, I was at... Um, was at some sort of like animal park in Sussex and the emus were making a noise and they like make like a drumming noise yeah. in their throat. It was insane. And now we're at like the bird of prey bit with all the eagles. So we've got peregrine falcons, white-tailed eagles, golden eagles. A vulture eagle. Tawny eagle. Beautiful. Great room. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, all right. So now we've come back out of the taxidermy room and we're in a sort of another anteroom, like the bottom of a staircase again. As I say, the upstairs is closed. And now we've got some stuff about Greek mythology, have we? Oh, because of the paintings on the walls up there. So it's a painting of the Titan. Um, no, it was he a Titan? Maybe. Prome yeah, it was. Prometheus, the Titan who stole fire from the gods. And then there's like, it's quite nice because you can't get up to see this art because of the... Uh, refurbishment but it looks incredible the whole wall is this mural but they've got a nice little explanation here so they've got certainly a modern day painting of Prometheus uh, who stole the fire Kronos the titan the father of Zeus his children Athena and Zeus 
Apollo, Hephaestus and Aphrodite, different Greek gods. And then sort of we're in a, like a botany bit. So there's oh, yeah. um, specimens collected by a man called Harry Fisher during an Arctic exhibition in the early 20th century. No, the late 19th century, apologies. Yeah, so they've got pressed flowers <laughs> on the wall and then a botany from around the world exhibition. Oh, and then a taxidermy lion. So it's, an, it's a taxidermy lion, Asiatic lion. So, oh my God, so this is an Indian lion. Um, and obviously, as we know, the British did some terrible things in India. And one of these lions, we hunted them for sport and to show us a picture of some guys with a taxidermy, possibly even this one. But at one point, there were only 20 of these lions left in the world. And now, they're over 650. They've got cocoa seed there. And um, interestingly, just this week, I found cocoa beans for the first time in Minecraft. Found my first jungle. Wonderful. Wonderful. I found an, um, an ocelot as well. Have you ever found an ocelot in Minecraft, Will? I haven't played Minecraft for quite a while because... Um, well, I've been sad about the state of my career and I thought I'm wasting time playing Minecraft when I should be writing jokes. No, you see, I'm sad about the state the of... the new panini bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad about the state of my career, so I play Minecraft because I'm very good at Minecraft. I'm not good at schmoozing. Right, so we, you come back out of the taxidermy corner, back into this main room again, which I've just noticed there's an absolute shit ton of rifles on the wall, like a sunrise of rifles. A sun rifle. Now we're in the salon. It's got a green carpet and some lovely wallpaper, and I can imagine you can hear instantly the change in the acoustics in here. And they've sort of set it up as a games room Keep kind of thing. Way. So I've just read a thing. Don't look around, Laura. So this is the salon. 400 years ago, it was a stylish dialing parlour. Dining. Dialing parlour. Dining parlour. So come in here, they'd tap the numbers into the phones, and then they'd go somewhere else to actually have the conversation. 200 years ago, it was extended and elegantly furnished as a sitting room. Uh, 100 years ago, it was shown all the family portraits. 90 years ago, it was a tea room when the hall became a museum. And in 2012, this film, this room was used as a set. Which film? Atonement. The Dark Knight Rises. Oh. Uh, and then it's a vintage tea room and can be hired. It's lovely. It's got like uh, games and some period dress. I'll get some photos. Uh, some nice photos. Like a writing desk. I want one of those. Like a writing desk for my house. Yeah. But I just don't do enough work. Ever. I'm assuming it was Wayne Manor then, was it? You just, Excuse me, mate. Hello. Sorry. Um, when this was in The Dark Knight Rises, what was it used for in the film? This room was a bedroom. A bedroom. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So there's lots of, um, like, there's a dressing up corner for children. And then they've got some examples of old outfits for children on mannequins. So you've got, like, little doublets and stuff and dresses that children would have worn. There's glass doors overlooking onto, like, the more ornamental gardens. You've got the deer park at the front. And then you've got the sort of, oh, let's go for a stroll around the roses. Yeah, lovely room. So they've got like games here that you could sit and play. Do you want to play a game? Um, not really. Oh. We, me and you don't play drafts. We play Pandemic. We could play drafts. I don't know how to play drafts. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Can you read back, Gallon? Yeah. Oh, we've played, haven't we? Yeah. So there's a cabinet here that's sort of been done out like an apothecary's cabinet. 
The cabinet itself looks very modern, but I think they've done that so that, yeah, you can pull the drawers out and sniff them. So, like, this one says rosemary to smell. Oh, yeah, that smells like rosemary. You have to get your nose quite in deep. (laughs) They've got um, jars of pickled fruit and vegetables and stuff. Apples from the Willoughby tree, lemon water. I suppose this is sort of then like for children, which is quite nice. Yeah, there's a bit of stuff to do. It's nice how interactive it is, really, because you don't often get that in stately homes and stuff. Because it's that toss-up, isn't it, between preservation and um, making it interesting. So there's a matching cabinet just on the other side of the fireplace, a sort of white marble fireplace. And this has got insects and some bird eggs, so kind of continuing the ornithology thing. I've got to say, I really like it here. Oh, hang on. A collector of games. So was somebody in the family a games collector? Yeah, it's, it's from my father that my brothers and I inherited our curiosity and love of learning. His book of games describes many sports and pastimes as he observed them, such as Three Men's Morris and Nine Men's Morris. Yeah, so I think the family must have been sort of games collectors. There's all sorts of shells. Uh... Um, there's all sorts of collections in these drawers. There's shells that have been collected. Oh, and there's one with shells to handle, but they've all gone. So I guess people have taken those. My father's travels through Europe. So I've just opened one drawer, and uh, there's down through Spain and um, Germany, out to Austria, through Italy, round into yeah, it's brilliant. That's really prettily done. They've done this so well. It's so interactive and there's like so much to kind of explore and get stuck into. Just to go back to what you said a minute ago, I think it's absolutely great that it has got this. Because we were all dragged around stately homes as a kid and they're tedious. After you're like, wow, this is nice. But you've got like the birds there, which is more educational. And then you can come in here and be like, oh, look, this is how this stuff works. And this guy like games and... I can imagine if I lived around here, this would be a classic, what do we do on Sunday? Bring the kids mm. down to. And also, we've barely even explored the uh, the garden, yet. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, this is fun. There's a little castle that you can build and, uh, and um, play with as a child. A little castle playhouse. You don't often get like these kind of... Battlements. battlements. <laughs> Normally, just wall walls, little soldiers. <laughs> And then what have we got here? We've got a glass cabinet with a musket that belonged... Henry VI, Lord Middleton, commanded a group of volunteer soldiers and the men's muskets were kept here in Woolerton Hall's armoury. That's why there's the Sunrise of Rivals in the main room. There's two of them? Yeah. That is so much longer than I thought it would be. You'd be so tight. Also, bayonets. Bayonets are dangerous little things, as I'm sure everyone's aware of, but... Yeah, just turn your gun into a sword if you really want to get someone. <laughs> They've got some sketches of Woolerton Hall through the ages. A portrait of Jane, Lady Middleton. So they found a letter in 1954 that was written in 1830 by William Burton. I assume someone who lived here or um, worked here. And he said that one of four, oh, he worked here, he was one of 40 men who were working in a great hurry to repair the hall. And the men were rewarded with plenty of beer. Now, do you reckon that's as well as money? You'd hope, wouldn't you? And also, that is going to slow down the building of your house. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hi guys, uh, welcome to the site. Here's a crate of Foster's Each. I'll see you at lunchtime. Do you know, I used to work on building sites when I was about 19. And um, mostly it was good fun. But there was one site and they clearly had forgotten they'd asked for a labourer to turn up. So I turned up and this guy's like, oh yeah, um, oh I don't know, uh, tell you what, there's all this, you know that big plastic piping that they feed wires through underground so it's like maybe a foot in diameter when yeah it's too big for the skip so just go and cut that into like foot long bits and gave me like a junior hacksaw <laughs> and i remember doing it for about five hours and i was like i'm just gonna go home and then one of the older builders saw me went there take this broom and just walk around looking busy did that for a week <laughs> So now we're in the Lord Middleton sort of vestibule, off the vestibule. Yeah. We continue in the taxidermy sort of apothecary feel. So there's lots of skulls here. It's probably a boar or something. Yeah, those tusks really go up, don't they? I that looks very simian-y, very monkey that one. I didn't know they had two sets of tusks. Well, those are teeth, the bottom ones, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, but they go up with the tusks. Yeah. Or would they be in the mouth? No, that would have to stick out, wouldn't it? There's a, there's a, I think a photo of this is like a embossed sort of box, and it's called California Souvenir. But it's just got the body of a scorpion, tarantula, horned toad, centipede, and trapdoor spider. I prefer like a little clapperboard. Yeah, it's much better now. We've got magnets. You don't have to kill five things and take them home with you. Join the magnet I got you. I love the magnet you got me. It's very, you're good. It's a, a cannoli. Cannolo. Canolo, like a panini. What's that? It's like a. Oh, there's a. It's um. There's the the sort of skeleton. It's that dolphin thing, isn't it? That's swordfish. No, I don't think it is. A, it's not quite a swordfish, is it? It's it's the dolphin with the long nose thing, the porpoise type thing, isn't it? Not a narwhal. Cause they've got a tusk. Uh, I need Shazam, but for skeletons, you know. So this is the first thing. The first time that Wollerton Hall is dropping a point, I want to know what all these different things are. But wait, have they got it back? Because there's a few, like this is a grey seal. Yeah. There's all different Some names. Some of them are labelled, but I don't think this long one is. Fascinating though. Good to look What's at. What's this tiny skull here? A terapus. Ah yes, a terapus. Yes, that's one of my favourite. Clear that up. No. And what's in this jar? Um, in this jar is Nottinghamshire spiders. Oh wow! Just a jar of brine spiders. And there's a lizard in one. I think if I were an, like a like a Victorian gentleman, I'd definitely have a room for just pickled stuff. <laughs> in the same way we had the bird room, we're now in the fish room. But as you walk in, there's just the word fish three times. Fish, fish, fish. And it has reminded me very much of my friend Liam, who once said he was going to live solely on water and tuna sandwiches when we were like 17. He denies this when we talk about it now, but I remember it very much. And he used to work at Budgeons, and they used to sell their sandwiches, like the packaging. So if it was a vegetable sandwich, a vegetarian sandwich, it would just say veg, 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 around the border. Same with meat. But with the fish, it just said fish, 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 fish. And we used to talk about that all the time and just lose our minds. Fish, 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 fish. <laughs> and it's here now. Fish, fish, fish. Hello, Liam, if you're listening. So this room is, is kind of like a mirror of the bird room, but they've done it with fish. They've made the little dioramas of a fish in its natural habitat. 
So we've got Len Wilde, who was Woolerton's first taxidermist. Len Wilde was originally a gardener on the Middleton's estate at Woolerton Park and was appointed as a taxidermist when Woolerton Hall became a museum. Len was only 22 years old at the time and held the post for the rest of his life. He created all the diorama scenes in this gallery. Something keeps beeping about us being in here. No, I think it's that... Um, is that there's a, oh. a projector whacking down... It's like a quiz, just a picture of a fish, and then what is this fish? And it's that that he's like giving it's answers. It's projecting onto the floor quiz questions, I understand. So we've got pike, we've got an Atlantic salmon, the projector's changing again, it says correct. I don't know why it thinks we knew. You're supposed to step on the floor to pick. Okay, so someone just walked through and accidentally got the correct answer. No, we knew what he was doing. And we now. <laughs> it's interactive. Turns out it's interactive. I'm very impressed with all of the different stuff they're trying out in this place. The pike in this diorama has got a little fish in its mouth. Oh, now you see, I've never seen a pike in real life, but. Um, oh, Will just got one of the questions wrong. Um, Pike just makes me think of um, Sword in the Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get chased by a pike. We can't yet again talk about the film <laughs> Sword in the Stone. It just comes up so much. There's a salmon. God, we're getting questions right, left, right and centre. I don't know if you can hear all this beeping. Oh, when, oh I'd hate to be called a bleak. There's a fish here that's just called a bleak. Bit of great news, guys. I bought some boots on Vinted. Yeah? And I've been left feedback as a buyer. Yeah? How's that happen? Because some buyers are very annoying. Nice boots? Yeah, I'll show you them in a bit. Maybe I'll even... A perch. Them. Wasn't it? Perch is what he was in Sword of the Stone, wasn't it? He was a perch in the Sword of the Stone, yeah. Yeah. He's carp a big, aren't I think he? as long as we don't mention the squirrels, it's okay. God, those squirrels. Right, what are we doing here? Is the name of this fish... Oh, I stepped on the fish and it told me I got the question right. Right, I'm going to try and get a question right. Right, so it's showing me a fish on the floor. Is the name of this fish a chub, a burbot, or a perch? Oh, it's a perch. Let's see. Am I after the perch? I'm stepping on the word perch. I'm correct. Which fish am I? But there's only one option with this one. It's Atlantic salmon. So I guess I'll step on Atlantic salmon. And it was correct. That's good. Do you know what? I would love it. I would absolutely love it if that had been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the gift shop. So there we go. So because the upstairs is closed, that is all we can see today. And then I'd be fascinated to come back when the upstairs is open. 100%. But there's also the deer park and the secret garden. So should we head over there and see what they're like? Yes, please. Okay, so we've come out the hall. We turn left and there's a sign to the cafe, which I will always follow, just for the record. If you've ever lost me and you see a sign for a cafe, assume I've gone that way. So we're now off to the, the just to the left of the house. You get to see the side view. It's so impressive. And you come out of this like little steps down, and suddenly there's a big lake and another big expanse of deer park. Do you ever see those like old men in uh, t-shirts? They're like, "If lost, return to the pub." Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get you when it says, "If lost, return to the tea room." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if lost, leave her alone. She did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. They've lost fuck off. <laughs> um, very nice as well that everywhere we've walked there's been like 
uh, signs to a more accessible route round. Yeah. So if you couldn't deal with the step, obviously, there seems like quite reasonable amount of benches. If you can't deal with the steps, there was like a way round for wheelchair accessibility and all that kind of thing, which is always great when you see someone that's done that. Yeah. What's this building, Laura? Um, it looks like it would have been stables at some point or some sort of you know off the main house I mean it's still impressive if you lived in this today you'd think you were posh but back then it was like oh put the servant people over in this so it's got that kind of a vibe there's a clock with two arms way modern I reckon that's probably a cafe and gift shop in there there was a gift shop in the main hall we didn't really record in there because it really was just fluffy toys what we got here Woolerton Hall shop and visitor centre should we have a look in there let's have a look in there absolutely Oh yeah, this is definitely like stablesy because look, we're coming into a little courtyard thing now. Lovely little cafe. So yeah, you go past a cafe and a shop and then into the middle of what we assumed were stables, there is a big courtyard. So this was undoubtedly like stables. There's a deli, lots of outdoor seating. I love a deli. We can have some lunch if you like. I'm not hungry at all, but I just love a deli as a concept. Because you ate a butt-ton of nuts on the way up here. So many cashew nuts. I just feel a bit nutterific. <laughs> to our left is Nottingham Industrial Museum. Unfortunately closed today. And doesn't that tell you about the British industry these days? <laughs> yeah. Just no, nothing for Wednesdays. Actually, that is quite funny. Nottingham Industrial <laughs> Museum volunteers required. Oh, well, I wish you the very best of luck in your endeavour to find them. Unfortunately, I live too far away. Yes, very much so. There's a table tennis table. Do you want to play table tennis? Um, sure. Are you good? Am I good, William? Are you joking? <laughs> okay, maybe better than you. Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you could hear the dogs barking um, in the edit that's gone out, but um, there were two dogs, one on a lead and one not on a lead. And it was the exact example of what kind of dog should be on a lead and what kind of dog shouldn't. Because the dog not on a lead was stood there, silent, being like, what the hell is going on? And the dog on the lead was losing their mind. So opposite the courtyard shop and cafe, there's a path that stretches up and you can just about see a wall with a gate in it. And we've gone up the path, through the creaky gate, and into what they call the formal gardens. So you probably hear formal from... The formal gardens. <laughs> it's sort of like a little brick path with brick walls on either side. And we're coming up the path, and you're suddenly in this planted... <laughs> beautiful garden you can smell the lavender instantly oh, smell it instantly <laughs> just hits you it's quite quite wild and relaxed for a british formal garden you so sometimes these stately homes they're a little bit oh god you've almost like they've ironed the grass this is just a little bit more casual a bit more country cottage choice of flowers than sometimes they are and there's also the camellia house uh, which i might pronounce it incorrectly but they Sometimes have a tea room in there, and it was designed in uh, 1851 
And it was the inspiration. Well, it was built in 1828. Yeah, sorry, but in 1851, I apologise, Joseph Paxton came to see it and he designed the Crystal Palace Pavilion in 1851 with their exhibition. And uh, this was apparently the inspiration. And according to this bit thing I'm reading here, the style of building was very new in 1828 when it was built. So it f- featured underfloor heating. Ah. That's incredible. So you can grow more tropical stuff in there. Yeah. Well, you can hear geese and swans honking in the distance. I always like that sound. It sounds all fancy. There's a squirrel running across the lawns. (laughs) Hi, squirrel. I had a squirrel in my front garden the other day, Will. It it was on the fence. And uh, then (laughs) then I said to him, but what do you really think? And he told me. Um, No, it was on the fence. And then it ran along the fence. And it ran up one of my sunflowers and was sitting on the stem of my sunflower, pulling the seeds out of it and eating them. Wow, how sturdy are your sunflowers? Well, sunflowers are pretty sturdy, they're quite thick. Yeah, but I always think that, you know, I suppose bamboo, isn't it? It's very thick, it's a plant. Yeah, a different plant is the same. Different plants, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I spy some sort of folly building in the distance. So, we'll head to the folly, but guys, sneak peek, Nashville's exclusive. Very old it's tree. not a folly, I don't think. It actually looks a bit more modern. Ignore me. Now, these gardens have actually come up behind the house. And that's a very nice view, isn't it, of the house? Yeah, so the gardens have taken us right round the side and up round the back, and now we're coming up to more steps. And you're, the bit that I described that you could see from the folly, we're now in that bit. So there's a couple of statues who are draped. There's two of them draped so that you can't quite see bottoms. And then the two on the end, just cheeks out, Bums galore. And you've got to assume willies. They look a bit feminine to have willies. Fannies. Yeah, fannies or willies, one of the two. And actually, that tree looks almost like a naked lady. Yeah. Like one real saggy tip, one pointing up and then a tummy button. Oh, yeah, right And then a leg coming down. Take a picture of that, put it on the Instagram. Sure. (laughs) A nudie tree. Pigeon. One of the first live birds I've seen. <laughs> Not ever. <laughs> <laughs> What's that thing in the sky? Oh, that looks like there's some excavation going on over there, though, Will. Yep, there does. Do you want to see what the excavation is? Uh, yeah. Hello. Hiya. Archaeological dig. It is an archaeological dig. Yeah. What are you looking for? We are looking for evidence. Do you mind being recorded? Sorry, we're no, making a podcast. Is that no, okay? No, don't, don't mind at all. We're, ma- we're looking for evidence of an orangery. Ah. Oh. to the hall. This painting's from 1697. Yeah. We know it was on a man-made platform dug out in the natural sandstone. That's the back of it there. Right. Uh, and the problem we've got is they were so good at dismantling it, we, <laughs> we weren't finding any building rubble. Uh, it looks as though they took all the bricks, the glass and the lead away to reuse. We've found broken brick, we've found pottery broken, uh, we've found broke, bits of broken glass, about three pieces of lead glazing bar. But we've got features we don't understand cut into the sandstone. You can see the circular feature there and the one at the back. We're not certain what they are. They may have been dug to put soil in to give a, a plant a chance to start growing but today's big find you can see if we walk up the side of the trench oh thank you so much for showing us this 
So are you part of like Nottinghamshire Archaeology Unit? I, I'm the Nottingham City Heritage Champion. Oh, lovely. Uh, degrees in archaeology. Mine too. <laughs> Where did you, where did you see it? Uh, Manchester. Oh, oh, yeah. Can you see those bricks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's like a line of bricks. Possibly is a foundation. Oh, amazing. And it's you just found that today? Nine o'clock this morning. Though, wow. Uh, it's, at first it was thought it was just a, one layer of bricks. It now looks as though it's three layers deep, which is substantial enough to take the weight of a building. We won't know until they've done some more work on it. Sure. But of course, as you know, in archaeology, you have one theory in the morning, go away and have a cup of tea and then yeah. have another theory. <laughs> so what happened, the building was there, according to the painting, in 1697. The following century, and it up until about 1810, this part was landscaped. The formal gardens that the Orangery was part of went out of fashion, so that was dismantled. This area was backfilled, and we think we're getting a lot of the backfill from the lake being excavated because we're getting pebble wa- pebbles that are water-worn. There's nothing to wear up here, but you've got a little stream down where the lake is. Oh, wow. Uh, and there's been some discussion about whether bricks from the orangery were used to build the wall for the ha-ha because over at the the other side you've got the ha-ha which is the sunken wall so when you landscape this park you're opening up vistas that you can look at so there wouldn't have been as many trees as there are now but every tree would be planted uh, to help enhance the view yeah and the last thing you want is a wall to keep the deer out blocking that view so you build a ha-ha which is a sunken wall and fines we've been getting as i said is building material broken building material but we've also had some clay pipe out not as much as we'd expect okay. we've had some bricks that have been damaged by heat the orangery had a heating system which was uh, a fire grate and flues to move warm air around it in the winter because what you use the orangery for is to protect your delicate plants and in the painting there are oranges in pots oh, wow. so in the winter you'd move them into the orangery to protect them the other buildings that were lost is the alfresco dining room which yeah. is a two-story building and where the rhododendrons are is where the bowling green was huh. great so what we're doing is teaching students as part of, as you know part of your degree you have to do field work you do so we've got students from the university of nottingham a phd student from oxford we've had it's been a multinational team we've had french american canadian uh, and jersey and you're going really carefully around the tree roots. Do you have to really try and preserve them? We have to preserve as many as we can, otherwise the tree dies. Yeah. Uh, at one time, you'd never dig under the canopy of a tree just because of the roots. It really slows the excavation down because right. you've got to work around and through the tree roots. We've also got people on the dig who are just here for the fun of it. Sure. They, they are here for the week just to get an idea of what archaeology is like. We've got other people who come along who are experienced diggers but don't have any formal qualifications. We have other people who are working towards their passport to archaeology. So you go on a dig, 
and at the end of the your time on the deed your passport's filled in by the site supervisor and saying what you've done whether it's surveying section drawing plan drawing excavation even down to what your trowelling techniques like and when you go to another dig, then you can hand that over and they know what your skill level is. Oh, wow. This is all reminding me of my degree. I like trowelling again, someone going, you're going too hard, too fast, stay off the clay. <laughs> and this is a five-week dig and tomorrow is the last day for the training. Oh, and you've just found the wall? Just found the wall, but... Better than last year. Oh, really? Yeah. Last year we found the wall on the very last day. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> so what will happen, the people from York Archaeology Nottingham, which used to be Trenton Peak Archaeology, they will be back next week and they'll finish any recording that needs doing and then it'll all be backfilled. And we'll only come back again if it's felt by York Archaeology Nottingham and I assume the City Council that it would be useful to come back to, 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 if we learn more about the site. Wow. Do you do the, um, I forget the name of it, when you get the soil samples and you wash them to get the organic matter? No, we don't do wet sieving. I love wet sieving. That's my favourite things to do. We do dry dry sieving. Yeah. Uh, So, but we're not on this site, no wet sieving. I love wet sieving. It was, I loved it when you used to get it and it all float up in a paper towel and dry it out and you could see the, the seeds of what was there at the time and oh, it was great. Yeah, well, that's not the sort of information we're looking no, for. No. I suppose like, because you have some, almost like a primary source of this orangery having existed, yeah. this is more you go in knowing what you're expecting to find. The only problem with the painting and using that for information is if you look at the painting, the perspective is rubbish. These people in the foreground and the coach are about 18 feet high. (laughs) But what we do have from 10 years later, 1707, is an engraving where they're more interested in the garden and the house. As you can see, the house is just a blob. But the garden is shown in more detail and you can see... There are not gardens between the terrace and the orangery. Beautiful. And there's also planting shown behind the orangery. Yeah. That, so this was all formal garden. And I like to think about the, uh, even though we're not looking for it, the alfresco dining room. It, again, it shows better on the painting. Down at the ground floor is like a little grotto. Oh, so, yeah. so the ladies, when they're promenading, rather than getting sunburnt, they could sit in there. Because obviously it was at a time, if you were sunburnt, you were one of the peasants, not one of the aristocracy. Yeah. And because you've always got servants around in the main hall, if you want to have a private conversation, you can have an alfresco meal in the, in the garden dining room and know that you've got no servants listening to That's you. That's next year's dig. Try and find <laughs> that one. Under the rhododendrons, unfortunately. Oh, you, oh, so you kind of the flower. So what was your name, sorry? I'm, I'm Mick Woodward. Hi, Mick. Thank you so much Thank for talking Thank you so much. You're welcome. We're going to go for a little wander around the garden, but best of luck with this. And uh, thank you for having a chat with us. Yeah, you. thank nice. you thank so you. much. That was so You're fascinating. Welcome. Thank you. Bye. That's such a cool thing to just stumble across. I love uh, people like that guy. Oh, me too. Just, just so love it. Yeah, have a passion. I suppose we're very lucky in the way that our job is our passion. Oh, yeah, but we're not getting paid for this, Will. This is just a passion. No, but it's in like comedy. Our job yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, suppose I don't think I could talk and sound so educated about comedy. Like I could talk about comedy and the rules of comedy and whatever, but that guy just loves his job. That is a prime example of a part of this podcast that when I edit this, 
I'll sit and listen to him be really interesting. You ask questions and I will edit myself out saying, wow, <laughs> just constantly. Because there's nothing I can contribute to that conversation. So it'll just be me going, oh, wow, great. And sounding like an absolute moron. Wow. Hang on, what's this? A metal wow. Tyrannosaurus. Meet Rory the Tyrannosaurus Rex. His name's Rory. He really has got tiny arms, that one. So there's like a wire statue <coughs> of a dinosaur. I absolutely love that your one comment on him is, he has got tiny arms, fair play. <laughs> and there we go. We've sort of come right the way around the gardens. Obviously, there is a ton more deer park and garden that you could explore um, if you wanted to, we're probably not going to record ourselves just waffling around that. You'd go crazy, but hey, do join the Patreon if us waffling is what you secretly desire. Um, so we're going to chat to Colin Holt uh, about why he loves it here. I'm assuming he grew up around here, did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Imagine, no, he just like heard it was good. Um, yeah, he did. He's from Not- Nottingham area. Um, if you do enjoy us waffling on and want to join the Patreon, please do head over to patreon.com forward slash national treasures hello to our newest patron Kay hi and Alistair I don't think we've thanked you on the main flavor I uh, main podcast we thanked you on the patron one but thank you here as well uh, they are our newest delicious welcome to the club don't forget to join the discord and uh, your merch is in the post if you've given me your address so yeah um really nice day it's been lovely I feel so chilled out and just it was what it was an easygoing museum I don't feel stressed out that I didn't do enough no, I think you're right. Like at the minute, because just the ground floor is open, um, I would say mainly for locals. But when the rest of it's reopened, mm. if the rest of the museum is in the same vibe as the ground floor, this is definitely worth a day out. Yeah, and you know, then you just go and sit with a picnic in the deer park and you just stare at the view for a bit. Beautiful. Lovely. Um, if you've had a nice time, if you've got thoughts, if you've got ideas for what you want the deep dives to be about, you can get in touch with us at Treasures Pod on all social medias. And uh, next week we'll be chatting to Colin, and then after that we will be... Oh, that's a squeaky gate, isn't it? We'll be doing the deep dives. So start having a think about what you want those to be based on this week's episode. We love you. Goodbye. We love you so much. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.